It is Locked on Jazz coming to you from New Orleans, where the Utah Jazz will get ready to play the Pelicans again. We'll preview that matchup, a rewatch of the win over the Nets, Rudy Gobert's five minutes of defensive genius, and your questions on a Locked on Live edition of Locked on Jazz. It's all coming up from New Orleans right now. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully giving everyone a uh, a nice day. Oh, shoot, I forgot to do one thing. All right, well, I'll stand up here quickly and go get it. Uh, I'll just deal with it during the show. There we go. Uh, I forgot my ice bag. I was supposed to ice my foot for 30 minutes while doing my show. Multitasking, I tell you, multitasking. Now I have no sock on. It's really cold. Bah! All right, I hope you're doing great. Thanks so much. Um, I think I told you about what the show is. If you're new to the show, we do it live on Thursdays. Have a good time with it. Take your questions. We try to come to you live in multiple platforms. We come to you live uh, on Instagram uh, at DLock09, on Twitter at Lockdown Sports, on Facebook on Lockdown Live, as well as Lockdown Sports. We come to you live on Twitch as well as on YouTube. So thank you very much. Send your questions in. I've got the YouTube, excuse me, I've got the restream going, and I have the Instagram going for questions. So we should be able to get all of those in today. Look forward to uh, engaging. And I've got my dual screens up so that I have all the questions over here all by themselves, but also so if I need to do a little web searching, I can do that and keep your questions up. All right, I rewatched the game the other night. Uh, A few things jumped out to me. One overall effort's just really, really high. And there is a, you know what? I mean, look at last night. Boston goes and suddenly just loses to Detroit at home, and the Lakers lose to Orlando at home. You know, this actually is the time of year in which you end up kind of dropping games um, because you're not entirely engaged. You're at 41. It's tiring. It's long. You're, you're, you're kind of working yourself toward the All-Star break. That's actually pretty common that this is the time of year where you, where you might drop one or two and the Jazz have really, this is what's impressive to what I'm seeing. I think energized by the trade. Um, I don't know if it's conscious by the front office, but they sure make those moves early. It's impressive uh, that they get that move done early each of the last two years. Uh, and I think that helps a great deal and then eventually the team coming together. But there is just a, there's an, J- Jordan Clarkson diving on the floor for that ball. Uh, getting it to Tony Bradley, who is about to dive on the floor also, is was just a, a mammoth play that represented, I thought, uh, an awful lot. Uh, but also, you know, early plays in that game, we're just rotating out to shooters. They don't get any three-point shots. Um, they don't drive and kick in the jet very much, and the Jazz just did a wonderful job of closing out. So the overall effort of this group in that game was just tremendous. I mean, really, really tremendous. Uh, and that's probably uh, the number one thing that jumped out to me. We watched the Nets broadcast. Uh, Ian Eagle and Sarah just are just awesome. I, sh- I meant to send him a text. What do you do on that, by the way? I need a little social norm question. Okay. So Ian Eagle is like seven-time New York Broadcaster of the Year award winner. He is the best there is on the national front. I mean, he's right up there with Harlan. He is great. Sarah is a rock star. I mean, she has defied all logic and all odds and just all. And I listened to the broadcast, and it was just fabulous. So I started to, like, write them a text that said, like, hey, you guys, I just listened, and, like, I know I'm not, like, any authority, and, like, 
I don't really know what value, but gosh, you were great. And then I just read it, and it was like so stupid. So I didn't send it. Am I supposed to send things like that? Like, what is, I don't know. Like, I don't want to act like, oh, I'm judging you when I'm listening to you. Like, they're way better than me. Like, I'm, like, not in either of their classes as a broadcaster. Um, And so anyway, you guys just get full me. I mean, that's what this show is. You got the white, beautiful hotel room I'm in right now. Um, The hotel art's not good in this place. Instagram gets a special look at the hotel art. There's a mirror. And then the mirror takes you to kind of the... There's the blinds. and My room's a mess. So we'll keep it tilted up that way. And Right. Like, it, there's no hotel art. This, this, it's got a massive TV, though. So that's... I got that going for me. Except I never turn my TV on in the room unless... Actually, I almost never... Uh, I, uh, <laughs> to, to that. Uh, Dustin says, just trade headsets after the game. I, you know what would be really cool? I would trade game notes, like my broadcast notes with everybody else's broadcast notes. That'd be kind of a fun thing. I love that. That's great. All right, so that was really um, – I'm going to try to – hopefully the Utah Jazz will put out – I put together uh, late, late last night a uh, little piece on Rudy Gobert's final five minutes of defense last night when I went bananas, uh, but not on my call, just on um, all the, the – kind of just the brilliance of Rudy and looking at it. And really when you watch Rudy – there's a lot to it. It's, it's not just that he's long. He's instinctually brilliant at what he's doing defensively. He's able, he understands the plays. He understands his feet are amazing. He uses these little jab feet steps at defenders, gets them off balance and uncomfortable and forces them. And then that's what allows him to get back to his guy. His length is obviously one in a million. His commitment and desire is certainly high. But really, his understanding of angles, his defensive instinct, his feet, his length, and his multiple actions. We've talked about it. Um, we talked about it last year. And for his unique thing, I think I've told the Alex Jensen story a lot of times about how I was uh, with Alex Jensen in a team bus, uh, sitting next to him on the bus to Madison Square Garden. And Alex was watching film of Cantor and Gobert. And Gobert was making multiple actions defensively. In other words getting at the shooter, coming back for the rebound, getting the shooter, getting back at the roller. And Alex, like, this guy's going to be just incredible. Um, you just don't find players that can do uh, multiple actions. Um, so um, that is, uh, you know, that, that to me is, is what separates Rudy. And I try to, in this video, uh, express that and show that. To you, so hopefully we'll get that up. Um, if not, uh, hopefully they'll let me put it up on my accounts if they if they don't need it. Um, but try to you know let let the let the mat let the masses see it uh, is the way social media works. So let them do it on theirs. All right, uh, Pelicans are interesting. Uh, they look like you know there was all the hubbub about Zion. It would have been fun. I actually think it was it's it's bad for us. I, I don't think he's going to be particularly good when he first comes out. Um, He's atrocious defensively, and he's really heavy. So while he's just the world's greatest athlete that's ever existed, um, he is—he's really, uh, I think, going to have. I don't think he's going to help them win. I mean, the same way that when DeAndre Ayton came back, it doesn't look like it really helped the Suns and Marvin Bagley. I don't think it's really helping the Kings. So this is not surprising to me when young guys come back that it doesn't actually help teams. Um, 
the Pelicans are four games behind Memphis, and I still think they're the favorites to be the eighth playoff team. Um, if you since we played them, they went and beat the Bulls and Knicks, lost to the Celtics, but they were, and then they won in overtime against Detroit despite having like half their team. So this team, they've clicked in. They've won uh, eight of their last eleven, I think it is, and I know it is uh, eight of their last eleven and nine of their last thirteen. So they're really playing well. Uh, their losses are to us, Boston, and the Lakers. Uh, and we won it on the final play, and you know, in their minds, very controversially. So this team is rolling. They have Faves back. They do not have Drew Holiday, who's actually not been very good this year. Um, and so might not be totally hurting them uh, that Drew Holiday's not back. And Though he's really good. Uh, and Brandon Ingram is expected to be back as well. J.J. Redick is still questionable. So that will be interesting uh, to see. Tonight, so that those are that's kind of where we sit on this one, uh, and it should make for um, a pretty darn good matchup tonight. And we'll see whether the Jazz have any juice left. At some point, you know they're gonna we're gonna drop one. I would assume we're not favored tonight uh, against the Pelicans on the third game of road trip with the Pelicans having not played in two days and all those kind of things. I would assume that we're not favored. If we're favored tonight, then Vegas has changed their um, opinion on us. Though Vegas has been kind of right on. Uh, because uh, I think we're like 50-50 against the spread this year, or around there. Um, I always like looking at those. Now, it's nice because now it's kind of out there, like everyone's doing it, and um, you know the league has kind of embraced it. We're not allowed to place on any of these games, but uh, it's part of our, as an employee, they you know might have insider information or something. But I do think it's an interesting, it's a good way to kind of have an understanding of what the non-biased money-making opinion is of your game. Does that make sense? Thursday edition of Locked on Jazz is brought to you by Shamrock Auto. Rob Taylor and the crew over at Shamrock Auto do fabulous work, and we love having them involved in our program uh, and what they do. Rob just uh, opened up his car dealership because he wanted to really, frankly, make people happy and have them enjoy uh, the car dealership world again. Uh, he br- added Brady Kimball, who's a technician. Uh, so now he's got somebody who can look at the cars and make sure he's getting super high quality every single time uh, he gets a car and brings it in. He, When I talk to Rob, the passion he has toward what he does, which is so cool, is his real passion is those people who call from out of state or those people who pick up the phone and call him and say, I want this. And he goes and gets it for him, and they trust him enough uh, to be the one who gets it. He always says, better cars, no drama, no hassle, great pricing. We can get you any truck. And he said, 6 to 12 months old, five to 10,000, 20,000 miles is kind of what they pride themselves on uh, getting you uh, obvi- any type of car, but largely in that Utah salt vehicle area. Call Robin, 801-319-2250. That's 801-319-2250. All right, let's get to your questions. Let's start with this one from Instagram. Is the bench scoring sustainable against elite defenses? So, uh, well, the off- overall offensive rating of 120 is probably not sustainable, or else we'd be the greatest offensive team in the history of the NBA. So in that sense, something has to give somewhere. Um, the offense of rating with our starters has been this good all year. right? If you go to our three- and four-man groups that lead the league – the offensive numbers, I talk about it on Lockdown NBA today with Ben Golliver, 
are have been that good all year long. So the bench is probably the group where some of those numbers are going to have to come back down. Um, Joe, at some point, Joe stopped shooting 50% from three, right? Don't you think? Um, you know, Joe's one of the five best, most efficient jump shooters in the league right now. Um, Kirk Goldsbury had that yesterday. Jaron Jackson, by the way. Wow, we're favored by five? Cody and Brian tell me that. Oh, that's a lot. Wow. Um, that's interesting. Wow, I'm surprised. I wonder if that'll change as they know who's playing more on their end. Maybe not. Um, but that's... Uh, so anyway, um, I, I, I mean, at some point, our scoring has to slow down, right? So if you go to three-man lineups this year, we've played 400 minutes. We did this last week, right? Um, and run those numbers. And look at the best offensive groupings that have played 400 minutes. They're all Dallas. And then they're Boyan Bogdanovich, Joe Ingles, and Royce O'Neal's a 117. Then actually a Phoenix group kind of slides in there. And then Gobert, Ingles, O'Neal's a 116. And then Bogdanovich, O'Neal, Mitchell is a 116. So, like, our main group is as good as any offense in the NBA. That's... 116 is going to lead the NBA in offense. That's that's historical level. Um, so, you know, 120 seems a little high. But frankly, is the bench going to be, you know, the bench was an 80. What's a 110? We're still 114. We're still really dang good. Dallas is all the best offenses with Boston, Hayward, Walker, and Brown, and Tatum for four-man groups. And then Gobert, Ingles, O'Neal, and Mitchell is a 118. Bogdanovich, Gobert, Ingles, O'Neal is a 118 also. So, I mean, our starting group is great. And that's a lot of minutes. Bogdanovich, Ingles, Royce Donovan is a 118 also. I mean, that's all the same group, really. Mike Conley, Bogdanovich, Royce O'Neal, Donovan Mitchell is a 117. So, yeah, if our bench... Our bench doesn't have to be great for us to be elite offensively. I think that's maybe really what the takeaway is there. It just can't be dreadful. All right. Uh, this is probably a summer thing when there's less to talk about, but would it be fun to know what the pack was for the Jazz Bulls final season? You know, I actually had a listener do it uh, back a ways back, and um, I'll see if I can pull that up maybe for tomorrow. Um, do you think the Jazz make another move before the deadline? I think the Jazz investigate it pretty heavily um, in the sense that there, I think there's a feeling that there's you know, either four or five title contenders in the NBA right now, and we're one of them. Um, I think the Lakers and the Clippers and the Jazz right now is what people feel. Like, I don't know why people are quiet on Denver, um, but I, they don't seem to be feeling Denver. Uh, I'm not sure that's fair to Denver. Uh, they're not feeling the Rockets right now. I don't know if that's fair to the Rockets. And then Milwaukee and Boston seem to be the two that people are feeling in the East. So, yeah, I think it they'll certainly be open in the market to trying to see if there's another push you can give this team. Um Planet-based Chad says you would be shocked at how often Vegas is higher on the Jazz than national thinking. Part of that, part of that might be honestly that Utahns get to Vegas and bet. Right? I mean, their goal is to have fifty percent of the money on each side. LA teams are always a good, un, like LA teams are always a good bet in Vegas to bet the other side, the underside, because the people come up from LA and bet for their LA teams. 
maybe it's maybe with the ad all the technology that's changed that's a 20 year old version of things when i used to live in la jordan clarkson seems very efficient when he attacks a basket and gets a shot in the paint do you have his shooting percentage when he shoots at the hoop i'll see if i can find it um he gets to the basket fabulously he's not very efficient frankly but i don't think that's what a lot of us ever expected i'm i am getting exactly percentage-wise what i thought we would get out of jordan at this point um and probably more in regards to kind of energy swag vibe um the, those those things that he's doing for this team, I I didn't know about him at all. I, I didn't know that he had all of that. Um, and he brings a little something to the team in in that regard that we didn't have. Um, and I think that stuff's important. Um, I do think it shows up in numbers, frankly. That's where I think, like, you know, we're 10-0 since he joined us. I, I do think that that stuff shows... Um, in regards to, like, well, how does it show? Uh, I, I just think you can, like, that's where plus minus and some of these other things where you're wondering, you know, well, why does why are they better when he's on the floor? Or why do they win when he plays or he's healthy? I, I think those things, that's how those things show. But that's to each of their own likings. Um, Jordan's shooting percentage, he gets to the rim at a really high rate is what um, would be the strength of his Um and he actually is a pretty darn good finisher at the rim. So if that's what you're asking, I think you are correct on that. Justin Sweeney, former Utah Jazz broadcast assistant. Even though the Jazz didn't extend the lead in the juncture, I thought the last two minutes of the third quarter for Tony uh, were exquisite. Wow. Uh, quick and efficient outlet passes, good defensive spacing. Seems like he's better awareness. He and both he and Rudy have been throwing some nice outlet passes that we didn't throw earlier this year. To Rudy's credit, he really has made um, an effort to get that done. And then... Uh, in addition to that, I think um, we've seen uh, very good uh, from uh, from Tony. Tony's always been pretty good at that outlet pass. So, yeah, I mean, I, Justin, I think Tony played really well, um, and they've made some subtle adjustments with him and, and how to let him be successful. I mean, Quinn really tries to help these guys out and make them successful in every single fashion uh, that he can. So I think that, you know, there's um, – you see these little, you know, it's why you probably should, we all should wait to make opinions. Let him have some time. Let Quinn get his hands on him. Let's see if they're, they respond to, you know, to Tony and um, see what happens. I, I do not know what happened on that free throw, by the way. I, I mean, I've watched it a bunch of times. I actually think he might have unintentionally meant to. Like, I don't know how, I mean, it does, it looks like, frankly, he didn't go up with two hands. So it kind of looks like, it does kind of look like in some weird way he might have meant to. Um... It would be hard to maintain second with the upcoming schedule. Yeah, I mean, our schedule gets a lot harder. Um, so that's certainly, yeah, we're not we're, we're not going to win at this rate forever. That would be pretty incredible. Um, so, you know, I think that's where 538 and ESPN and those guys are evaluating your, your win probability in each and every item in every game to be able to be able to figure that out uh, for you. I, I think that's that's really... Um, what they do. There is a new fitness product that's out there for 2020. Um, so you don't have to pay a ton at the gym or overpriced fitness equipment. Um, the best way to get in shape, it's called Echelon. E-C-H-E-L-O-N. Echelonfit.com. Discover their X1 connected fitness bikes that offer a high quality 
at-home cycling experience at less than a half of the price of a Peloton. They make beautifully engineered products for everyone, busy moms and dads, first responders, elite athletes, whatever your activity level. And with a daily live and on-demand studio classes right in your home, you'll never have to step into a gym. You'll love Echelon. If you're not 100% satisfied, they'll give you your money back. So hundreds and thousands of people are doing the don't pay a ton by Echelon bike today for under $1,000. Go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A to learn more about the limited offer, plus a free Apple iPad and complete details on this exclusive offer. It's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. Echelon fit slash L-O-N-B-A. Echelon, it's your time. All right, do you, we close with Con- Nathan Dalton with the million-dollar question. Do we close with Conley, Mitchell, Ingles, Bogey, Gobert? We are pretty small on defense there. Can you see Clarkson or O'Neal getting in there for rebounds and defense? Um, I, I think, I mean, I think Quinn's got to play it by ear um, and play it by game because it, I think it's going to really depend. Uh, Royce has shown great value on different games at different times. Uh, and I think that his one of the really primary things he's shown is tremendous rebounding. So therefore, you know, if we're playing a team that's crashing the offensive glass, either Mike's going to really have to rebound, as are Bogey and Ingles, which they don't, not, that is not their strengths, or you're going to have to finish with Royce, who's our second leading rebounder. Um, as a jazz fan, am I in the wrong feeling tired of the nobody talks about us take? I, I've never liked that take because somebody's talking about you. Uh, go find it. Um, I mean, you know, like I listened to uh, Kevin Pelton and Kirk Goldsbury when they were on the ESPN podcast the other day because I listen to anything Pelton does. You know, and they did blow right by the jazz. Oh, we probably should be talking about them, but we ran out of time. Like, you know, but we also should be talking about Memphis. We also should be talking about the Lakers. We also should be talking about Milwaukee a lot. They did. Like a lot. Like they're historically great. Um, we also should be talking about, you know, Toronto. And Bo- I mean, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, and I, I don't like, I don't really know what the why people, I've always felt this. This is certainly like my probably frustration or insecurity or something. But like as a national talk show host comes on, you're like, oh, we always want to hear what the, na- like, like, when 12 of the Zone has Chris Mannix and Howard Beck and all those guys on every week, then maybe those guys make an out of uh, an extended effort to go watch the Jazz. But I kind of doubt it. Like, Sam Amick probably took a little extra to watch the Jazz. I kind of doubt it. They're doing their job. And their job's actually not, as a national writer, to watch one of the smaller markets in the league. So I've never quite understood... Why we're so obsessed with having other people who don't watch us talk about us. I just have never got that. Um, What is Wes Goldberg's problem accepting Rudy is the best? Wes Goldberg is the Tuesday Locked on NBA host. I don't know, but I like him, like, promote him. And I, no, I don't buy guys off. Um, He's good. He's really good. Warrior beat writer. Um, I don't know. Maybe... Indirectly on Locked on NBA Today, I call Wes Goldberg dumb because I said that I think Rudy Gobert is the litmus test to me of how people view the NBA. Like, if people get Rudy, 
to me, it tells me how much they watch and they understand the game. And if they don't understand Rudy and they start talking to me about every other center and how they score more and this and that, and they, then, then it, to me, it's a litmus test to me of where you are as a, as a understanding of the game as a whole picture. Um, oh, there's a bunch of, uh, do I have pack in the clutch? I do not. We're 10 and 0 since on Twitch. Trevor Fairbanks says we're 10 and 0 since Clarkson's arrival. Is he what will push us over the edge of the playoffs or will another player need to step up to get to the conference finals? Oh, I mean, our great players are going to have to be great for us to get to the conference finals, but he gives us another option. I mean, he gives us he gives us 240 minutes of basketball. Like that's that's the phrase I've used a lot. We've talked about it a lot. He gives us 240 minutes of basketball. He's He's the glue that gives that second unit a little juice. And, you know, if we'd won 10 in a row and 15 of 16 and announced tomorrow that we were trading three G League players you'd never heard of for Mike Conley, you would take it. And that's what we're basically going to do. This team has formed itself without Mike Conley. And now we're going to take a, a, a high-level player and add him to the roster. And we're going to have to figure it out. Like, it's going to be tricky. Now... When he starts, he's going to be on minute restrictions, and there's going to be all sorts of other aspects to it that make it even a little more tricky than just that. Um, I, you know, I'm sure that he's not coming out and playing 34 minutes off a hamstring. So, you know, is he playing limited time and then working progressively up, and then you're dealing? So, there's an integration process here that is probably a little different than what you know if you just traded for him the next day. But if we made a trade tomorrow to add Mike Conley to the roster. The league would go crazy. We would go crazy and think we were going to win it. So in regards to like who has to step up, I think everyone does, but we're, we're loaded with skills, right? I mean, we've probably got one too many players at this point. And then Tony's got to show that he's ready to keep progressing. But like Emmanuel Moutier, who did not come with any track record of being a viable NBA player, is a viable NBA player. I, I might have to check in with Adam Morris of... Locked on Nuggets and does Friday edition of Locked on NBA. Because he basically told me that if Emmanuel Moutier becomes a viable NBA player, he would give up like talking about the game. Which is would be bad because his show's really good. But that has happened. Do we need another big or Tony Bradley and Ed Davis enough uh, when we have to rest Rudy? You know, I mean, we could... Tony Bradley, I think, is... Let's let Tony Bradley keep going. Let's let Tony Bradley keep going. Tony Bradley has some skills that are really good. If you're, so in other words, my point on that, I think is, I'm not just adding someone for the sake of adding someone. Okay. Um, like, would you rather have Tony Bradley or Alex Len? I'm just trying to think of backup. Would you rather have Tony Bradley or Dwayne Dedman? Certainly Tony Bradley on Dwayne Dedman's contract. Would you rather, who's, I mean, Dwight Howard's a hell of a backup center, right? Um, the Warriors, I don't think, have a backup center. Like, you're not getting a backup center from the Lakers, Clippers, Rockets, right? Like, the Rockets that I'm thinking of don't have a backup center right now. Um, P.J. Tucker, right? Um, so, I mean... I think, first of all, you got to figure out, like, who are the backup centers? And then, are they that much better than Tony? And then, obviously, Tony's young, 22 years old, and playoffs and things like that are, you know, we don't know, but let's let's let him keep going. 
ESPN's questioning was questioning the Jazz strength uh, streak due to strength of schedule. Uh, from Periscope. I've got a few comments on that. One, the Lakers won nine in a row against sub-500 teams and nobody said a word other than me uh, that I heard. So no one's probably not true. I didn't hear it. Two, it's true. Three, Orlando beat the Lakers last night. Detroit beat Boston. This time of year, teams lose games. So have we established ourselves as the number one team in all of the NBA? Nah. Have we established ourselves as better than Denver, Houston, Dallas? I don't know. I'm not sure I'm really willing to go there. Have we established ourselves as in the class? Yes. Were we behind that before? Yes. Have we... You know, maybe you decide, maybe you think we've separated ourselves from them and that we're now in the class of the Clippers and Lakers. That might, we might have done that. That we'll have to prove, right? We'll have to go down to Texas, win some games. Go to Denver, win some games. I mean, we have not played Denver. We have not played Houston. We have not played San Antonio. So I think we have to understand that there is some validity to that, um, you know, and, and who we are right now. Uh, what is Rudy's defensive rating in the clutch? I don't know, but ours as a team is exceptional. Um, who will be getting more minutes by the end of the game, by the end of the season, Moody or Clarkson? Clarkson. Um, no question, just saying thank you. I oh, appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, can you please, wow, there's a lot of questions. Can you please let everyone hear your opinion on Matt Harpering as a commentator? Uh, I think he's really good. I think if you listen to everyone else around the league, you'd realize how good he is. Um, I think he's still in touch with the game. I think he has a very good feel. I love talking to him after games which because I don't get to hear the broadcast. Um, when I do watch the broadcast, you have one of the best directing producing teams in the NBA. You've got the broadcaster of the year in Craig, and you've got Matt, who's really, really good. And really the number one argument on Matt is he's too nice to the other team. Shut the... Really? Like, it's such a bad argument. Um, it's kind of like when everyone hits me, you don't give the score. I went back. I got two you don't give the scores the other. I went back and re-listened to the whole game. I took an hour of my and a half. Listen to the whole game. I, it's not true. I, I charted the whole flipping thing. It's not true. And so my argument, everyone, I see it on Heartbreak. Oh, I love the other team. Stop it. He loves the Jazz. He clearly worked for the Jazz. He's a player who respects brilliance when he sees it. And if you don't, that's not on him. That's on you. If you can't enjoy Giannis, if you can't enjoy LeBron, if you can't enjoy Steph Curry, if you can't enjoy the greatest athletes in the world because they don't wear your uniform, that's on you, not on Matt. Okay? So Matt's really good. Listen to the other league. Listen to the other teams. He's really good. I love hearing you on NBA radio when they do battle the broadcasters. I never hear that, so someone tell me when it happens. Um, What is a good book to read to learn more about basketball analytics? 
Uh, Basketball on Paper by Dean Oliver is the first and best one. Kirk Goldsbury has a new book that's out uh, that's very good as well. So those would be my two. What are your thoughts on trading Ed Davis in a second rounder for Jabari Parker? Um, Jabari Parker has never shown in his NBA career yet that he can be a winning player. We would not like Jabari Parker if he was not a part of the... Like, seriously, let's be honest. Like, there's nothing in Jabari Parker's game other than the fact, like, he flirted with going to BYU and we followed him his whole career. Like, there's just, it's just, like, I don't think he's shown that. Does Ingles have a post-NBA career in media or broadcasting when he retires? Maybe, but it's a lot of travel and a lot of time away from his family. He's made a lot of money. So I don't know why he'd want to do it. We need a third big for insurance. So you think we can get a third big better than Ed Davis? Like, we have a third big for insurance. It's Ed Davis. Um, I know it's not this simple, but wouldn't it be a good idea to let Moutier still get minutes when Mike is back and cut Mike and Joe's minutes down to under 30 a game? It might be a good idea. Do you still win? That would be the question I would ask you. Do you still win? Right? Um, you're not, Quinn, Quinn is so pleased with Emmanuel Moutier. But I don't know where Mike Conley's... If Mike Conley's really good, right? So if Mike Conley gets going, and Mike Conley's Mike Conley, and that's 30, 28, 30, 31, 32 minutes, that's a lot. I don't know where they come from. It's Dave Week? Oh, love Dave Week. Are we doing Dave... Are we doing Dave Day on Saturday at the game? Happy Dave Week, everybody. Uh... People really got mad at me for my Rudy Gobert triple-double tweet. Yes, they did. And we talked about it on Lockdown NBA, which you should, right now, go tell your smart device to play pod, most recent episode of podcast Lockdown NBA. Have a great day. Talk to you soon.